Jazz from The World Is Listening and I'm joined here by Martha Tilston, we're at Shambhala Festival and you had a gig last night at the Sankofa stage. It was magic, we just did a 10 hour drive on the way up here from Cornwall because it was just busy. Sometimes it's really hard to land in a gig but it was just yeah, absolutely magical actually. Just the whole vibe of the place I think helps. So tell me about your music and where your musical career started. I was looking back at some of the things you've done and you've had nominations from the BBC and so where did it all start from? Where did it come from? Well, I guess I've been singing since I was tiny because my father's a songwriter and my stepmother was Maggie Boyle, um, Irish folk singer, so I was brought up around song all the time and I thought it was quite normal to write songs and that definitely helped me sort of place my thoughts and emotions as a kid. I think it, I found it quite therapeutic, to be honest. And then definitely as a teenager, having a piano at home, just being able to bash out how I feel on a piano. It's just always been uh, one of the things to do alongside eating and getting dressed. For me, it was just to, to write how I felt. I wouldn't necessarily play it to anyone. In fact, probably best not to sometimes the most honest songs are ones that are like private, you know. So I was always playing and then just, yeah, just a few sort of talent contesty things when you were a kid at school and stuff. Then I went to drama school and studied acting for a bit and spent most of my time in the music tech department. So looking back now, I think, oh gosh, I wonder whether I was always clearing there. And then after drama school, I did a tour. I fell in with this, a manager and a sort of record label in London. Um, and it was, in hindsight, a really good lesson. It, it, it was very old school. And he had a gold Rolls Royce and, and took gold me off. Rolls. Yeah, and he used to like keep the tapes of every idea I had, and I didn't have any ideas, you know, I didn't get it. It was so kind of. And then he asked me to have a nose job as well. What? Well, he kind of hinted, he just he stopped the traffic at the car, the traffic lights, this gold Rolls Royce. And I, at the time, I was thinking, and he used to get me to sing in an American accent as well, which I was like, I don't think that's. A, I was like, I really feel, feel like I should. You know, I was so young then, I was really young. and just didn't have, it was learning how to sort of say no and it'd be okay to say no and it's, I think I find it hard enough as sort of, as a woman now but as a girl it was felt really like fighting the tide to try and say no to stuff and these are all old, lots of the music business, older guys, that sort of realm of it and um, you know it's really hard to sort of find your powers. But yeah, he stopped the car at this traffic lights. He leaned over and put his finger on my nose and, and I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm just seeing what you look like with a different nose. I say, like, did, did you find that there were a lot of people in the industry at the time trying to shape you as an artist? Was, like, that was just one person, but did you experience that in any other parts of your um, career? Not from that moment. I mean, yes, but I've learned to politely decline being shaped since that moment. So it was a really good thing. I think it was a really, really amazing, beautiful favour he did me. You know, weirdly, it was you know it was it was a, it was, a, it was a moment. It was a crossroads, you know. And then I just got together with Nick, and Ma Nick Marshall, and we formed Mouse and just played, not recording in a lovely flash studio, just in his bedroom and going around the open mic scene and playing squat party scene and building up our following, really underground, really. And I know there's more festivals now, but it's sort of 12, 14 years ago, there was not so many festivals and it was a really underground scene. And yeah, but. People do sometimes try and change and shape you, but you just you just get better at just follow, following your little arrow inside of what feels right. It's so important to listen to your intuition. I think a lot of people fall wayside of that because they feel like this person has experienced so yeah. what they're saying must be right, which yeah. can be a lot of people's downfall, I think, if they don't have support around them. Yeah, I, I feel it's quite empowering and it's... 
is changing so much now. I think I sometimes lecture in pop music at the uni near me and um, do like workshops and I just see a lot of girls quite empowered with creatively and with their direction, with how they're running the music in their own lives, not waiting for the business to take it over. The business, the music business, from what I can tell, is um, well, it's like any business. It's quite, it's quite a different machine to the creativity. It just has to be handled with care, but it's changing, and even the, I don't think the music industry quite knows what to do. So it's kind of quite an exciting time, really. How do you think the music industry is changing? It kind of feels like for thousands of years we sung songs around fires and passed songs on. Some might come to your village or your town and and they would sing something and in return if they you know, they were good in return they'd probably get a meal and a bed for the night and, and maybe after a few years they'd bring their families there and they'd travel through and you'd build songs up in your community, you'd have different songs for when people die, when people get married and it'd be a real celebration and ritual uniting. There wouldn't be people people sitting songs out because they're more scientists or something. Every, it would be so much part of our lives. And then for this very, very short point time in history we had recorded music. <laughs> the record industry. You know, and people made fantastic amounts of money or they weren't signed necessarily and they weren't in that realm. So for lots of people it was really hard probably to make a living. And then for some they made ridiculous livings and I guess so, but it, and then so now it's all changing and people are, I understand that I, I mean I find it really hard that I used to make money out of selling CDs and now it's all changed and the Spotify is uh, you know it's really tricky it, I know literally families that are finding it hard to run their families as musicians now because of Spotify and essentially I have to remind myself every time I get upset the CDs are not it's, it's kind of good. That was a really short amount of time and it's an awful lot of plastic crap and that whole period when people made silly money out of music was a false, weird blip. Much longer and much longer into the future, it's about the music being carried on and passed and enjoyed in whatever way. So, yes, we just probably have to be happy if we get meals and... Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about Mouse. How did you feel your identity was at the time when you were forming music with the band? We formed when I was in this, doing this uh, recording in London with the, the, with the guy that I was talking about, the manager earlier, and um, I just sat in the pub with some friends in Kingston and just said, I was talking to my friends about it, and um, they were like, it doesn't sound great, Marv, and I was like, I know, I just, after singing an American accent, it's not right, and I don't know, and I'm not feeling it, and I've written these new songs, and they keep changing them and making them American and putting the words boardwalk and sidewalk in and things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my friend just said, listen, and he wrote down it on a card, a piece of code, just give this guy a call, he's a really good guitarist, and get together. And it's the kind of thing I'd never normally do, but I did, I rung it, and Nick was like, oh, hi, and I was like, I heard you're a guitarist. <laughs> Can we get together sometime? And he's like, yeah, sure, where do you live? And it turns out he lived just around the corner from me, and he was free that night, and he came round, and straight away he was just adding, he's, he's the way he plays, Nick Marshall, oh my gosh. Sings, it just sings every note. It's so much soul in every note. It's not like massively flashy, although you can do that, but just like so much soul in every note he played. And it was just straight away amazing. And then we just started playing open mic scene. And like I say, just um, it was magical, magical two years just building a following. At this is the time when CDs, you know, you really could make a living out of selling CDs. It 
gigs and it was um yeah, it's really magical time actually. This art, it really makes me think about since I've got an incredible band now. I've, we're all resting on each other's talents, and we're all thriving on each other's talents. But I'm really aware that it's the most beautiful hammock I could ever lie on and play on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if they weren't there, I would would thud to the ground. <laughs> but with Nick, it was really interesting because it was the first time I'd really experienced. You know, when you fall in love, we weren't in love. We were just musicians playing together, good friends. But the feeling when Two people come together in anything creative, maybe, maybe in friendship, in conversation, and you create something other, which is the third thing, which is above you. It's the conversation you have. It's the giggle you, the laugh you. It's the, the kind of love you have, or you create a baby or whatever. This thing of two people coming together and they create something else, without even needing to. It just is a result of coming together, and that was a really amazing thing of jamming with someone and just this, this, this almost palpable other thing that was mouse that came from. Us. I guess it is quite a special thing because two people coming together is can be a very unique thing and you can have two very opposite people but as soon as there's yeah. one tiny bit of common ground there's like this kind of spark so yeah. in music because everyone's got this common ground of music you just can just speak this other language to each other even if you speak different languages and then you find that you that not only do you speak yeah you start to speak a language you've not heard before and nor have they that's the weirdest thing is when you create something that neither of you recognises your own it becomes its own it is like having a child of a kid oh yeah she, you know she's got my whatever and he's got his eyes and uh, <laughs> and then you just look at them sometimes and go you know you are totally come from somewhere who, you, you, you're totally your own the first time they laugh they have a different sense of humour to you the, you know the kid or whatever it's that kind of thing of like oh no you've created something that has its own life almost and it feels like you know creatively I think sometimes for people it feels like you so that was the first time I experienced that and it was just magic absolute magic kind of don't feel, you don't feel like you've, these songs would come so quickly to us as well, I didn't feel like we were writing them, <laughs> it's very bizarre. We're such a interesting, slightly crazy place in the world at the moment, and I'm sure we have been historically through different periods, but a new way of communicating is kind of needed, a new way of connecting. The more we try and get our kids to just do maths and science and English at school and get them to not do the creative side. We like, the more we close off people so that we're just all on screens and the less we have the tools, the ability to, and those things are great, but to discourage creative connection, which is in everyone. We just wonder whether, whether it's another worldly thing or whatever, music, or whether it's just another language like bees kind of connect. <laughs> they speak to the different ways animals do. And maybe we are speaking all the time in this other language. We're just trying to find a way to translate it. And maybe through creativity, there's a way of translating it. Maybe it's a really good way for us to speak at the moment, particularly because the way we're speaking through lawyer speak and corporate, corporate speak, it's not serving us. It's just not serving us. <laughs> so. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring you back to today and your yeah. musical career today. So you're, do you still play with mouse or you just play? No, Nick with plays with us sometimes. Okay. Um, he hasn't for a year or so. Yeah, every sort of few years he comes and plays with us and it's magical, but it's not mouse anymore. At the moment, have you got an album out or an? Well, yeah, we've got six or seven old albums, and we just finished mastering the new one with the Nomad Blood song on, which is the one about being nomadic and connecting with nature again and things like that so the album kind of feels like it's got this kind of journey of yes and that's coming out probably November it might be called Nomad or Nomad Blood or 
Little Arrow or something. Anyway, that's coming out. And then we're also doing a trip pop, so electronic trip pop album that's coming out in spring, early summer as well. So yeah, it's all good. You've actually kind of managed to capture a lot of different genres of music in your music. Yeah. I mean, is there one that you specifically turn to whenever you start writing songs, or do you literally just try and dive into anything? Yeah, I think they just they just kind of don't really think about it. Maybe I should, but I, I try not to limit it. I think when I felt like I, after I got a folk nomination, folk award, it was really lovely, but it, I, I noticed I then started trying to be more folky. <laughs> Somehow, I think I'm just happiest when I'm a little cat and not not going into the house, just prowling around the gardens. Really, that's how I feel. A little cat at night, just that's a nice description. <laughs> and I don't know, you know, at the moment I just love trip hop. I've always loved '90s trip hop, and um, I've always kept that side going and recording with other artists and keeping that. They're quite connected to some stuff with Zero Seven and some other bands, and yeah, it's really nice just for to do our own one now. And again, I probably. Will, I had, a, I had a reggae revolution last night as well. I was like, oh my god. I just absolutely like having a bit of an awakening in reggae. So and no, I don't think I'll ever necessarily make reggae music. But you know, I just want to keep uh, yeah, prowling around the garden and not not worrying about which house I'm in. <laughs> well I want to say all the best for any future projects that you do want to do. Maybe you do make a reggae. Maybe. Track. <laughs> it feels really good after yeah. five hours. So this is sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's all right. Thank you.